Hey, good morning, everybody. It is good to worship with you this morning, and uh, it is interesting times, difficult times that we are living in. People are worried. People are worried about the pandemic. People are worried about racism in our country. People are worried about the economy. People are worried about their own situations, jobs and finances and family and so forth. These are difficult times. And if there was ever a time where we need to get good at prayer, these would be that time. We're continuing in this series, Red Letters, the words of Jesus that we have been working through. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what Jesus had to say about prayer. We're going to do the message a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to do the first half, and then I'll close this out in prayer. I'll throw it over to Pastor Steve, and he'll minister to us in song again. And then Pastor Rick will do the second half of the message. So, a few years back, uh, somebody called and asked if they could meet me for breakfast, and so we met at one of the local diners. You remember when we used to be able to eat in the diner? Yeah, it was back then. And uh, so we met, and the waitress brought our food over, and the person said, would you mind if I prayed? And I said, by all means. And this guy started to pray, and he prayed loud, and he prayed long. It was really a sermonette that was going on here. And when he was done, I just looked at him wide-eyed, like, what just happened? And he said, man, I love praying in restaurants where I can, you know, maybe get some sinners to hear about Jesus. There were two things wrong with that. The first is, um, my breakfast was cold, and that wasn't okay. But the second thing is, that's not what prayer is supposed to be. In teaching about prayer, in Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, one of the things that Jesus said is, When you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who love to pray out in public and get all of the attention and, uh, you know, just have everybody looking at them and so forth. That, Jesus said, is not what prayer is about. Instead, he said, go to a private place all by yourself where only God can see and hear, and that's where you pray. The other thing that Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 6 is that prayer is not about our babbling with lots of words. It's not about how many words we speak. It's not about um, the eloquence of our words. It's not about vain repetition. It's another way that that passage is interpreted, vain repetition, meaning that we're just taking these uh, prefabbed prayers and saying them over and over again. That would be sort of like me going to Marilyn one morning and saying, honey, I love you, I honor you, and I want to care for you for the rest of our lives. Now, if I said that to Marilyn tomorrow, she'd be stunned, but she would also be, you know, probably touched by that. And then if I came down the next morning and said the exact same thing, honey, I love you, I honor you, I want to care for you for the rest of my life, she'd be, thank you. And then if I did it the third day, and then the fourth day, and that was the only thing that I was saying to her all uh, day long, She'd be confused, and then she'd be irritated, like, what is this about? Talk to me. I want to be in relationship with you. This is not a relationship. That's the idea of vain repetition when it comes to our prayer life. Here's the thing. Prayer is not a religious obligation. It's a relation, a relational orientation. It's not a religious obligation. We don't do it just because that's what religious people do. 
It is a way for us to orient ourselves toward God. And so that's what Jesus is telling us here. And then he gives us a pattern for prayer. He's not saying this prayer is the prayer that you're always supposed to pray. That's vain repetition. He just got finished saying that's not what prayer is. But he's giving us a model for prayer. So a number of years ago, um, as I was studying the Lord's Prayer, I came up with my own um, kind of model, I guess, for prayer. And it's an acronym based on the word PRAY, P-R-A-Y. I've shared that with you before, but I want to share it again this morning as we're working on getting better, I think, at prayer. So the P, that stands for praise. When Jesus started uh, the Lord's Prayer, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. God, your name is set apart. It's special. It's unlike any other name. You are unlike any other person. We praise God in our prayer, not because God's ego needs to be stroked. We praise God because it orients us toward the relationship that we're in when we're praying. It is a relationship, but it's not a horizontal relationship between us and another person. It's a vertical relationship, creator to cre- or creation to creator, me toward God. And so when I begin my prayers by recognizing who God is and by saying, God, you are holy, you are mighty, you are all-knowing, when I'm saying those things, I'm getting myself, my mind oriented to who I am talking to. I am talking to the creator. So then the next one is the R, and that's about release, release. That's about confessing my sin to God and releasing that to him. Again, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, forgive us our trespasses, our sins, forgive us our sins. And so when I come to God, I am releasing my sins to him. I'm confessing what they are, not in general, but specific things that I know I have done wrong, that I have um, said wrong, thought wrong, did wrong, um, that screw up my relationship with other people and screw up my relationship with God. And so I'm professing, confessing those things and asking God to do what God promises to do, which is to forgive my sin and to remember them no more. He releases me from that. I'm also praying for those who have offended me, who may, um, I may be sideways with, because that was the other part of the prayer in the Lord's Prayer, right? Not only um, forgive me my trespasses, but forgive those who trespass against me. And so I'm asking God um, to forgive those people who have offended me, and I'm releasing them from uh, their uh, injury toward me. The third one, then, is A, which is ask, ask. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what Jesus is saying there is, I'm asking God for the things of life that I need. Now, remember that Jesus said he came to give us life and life to the full, life abundant, right? So it's not just about give us the food and drink that we need to survive. We're asking God for the things we need for the abundant life that he has promised. And so I'm asking God for all kinds of things. I'm asking God for peace when I'm stressed. I'm asking God for wisdom when I'm wrestling with uh, an issue or a problem. I'm asking God for joy in the midst of struggle. I'm asking God for specific things that may be coming along during the day. 
And I'm also asking God on behalf of others. I'm praying to God um, on behalf of others. So I'm uh, interceding on behalf of folks that I care about. So I pray for my family and ask God for things for them and for uh, folks on our staff and for individuals in the church and specific needs that um, I've been asked to pray for. So all of that is part of the ask part of my prayer. And then the fourth one is why, which is yield. And I think this is maybe the most important part of the prayer. To yield, to give up, to surrender my agenda for God's agenda. Again, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prayed, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yielding my way, my desire, my uh, my own way, my mindset, surrendering all of that, yielding that to God for his way. That's what kingdom living is about. So I may have God, this are, these are the things that I want. These are the things that I desire. These are the things that I think I need. God, here's what's going on with me and so on and so forth. Here's what's going on with others. But I end that prayer always with, but not my will, but yours be done. Yielding my will, my way, to God's will and to God's way because it's always best. God's way is always best. And so it's a simple pattern for me. It comes right out of the Lord's Prayer, but it's just a, a pattern that I can go through that I praise, I release, I ask, and I yield. So let's take a few moments together right where you are and let's pray. Join with me, would you? Almighty and everlasting God, we offer you our praise this morning in the midst of the storms, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our struggles, individually, collectively, nationally. You are God. And we come to you, Lord, confessing the ways that we have fallen short. Lord, this week, past, I have failed you in so many ways, Lord, by the words that I spoke, by the thoughts that I had, by the ways that I acted and reacted toward others, and God, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive my sin, Lord, and remember it no more, I pray. Help me to start this week anew. Lord, for the things that I need and each one who is a part of this time of worship, for the things that we need for life right now. God, hear our prayer. So just take a moment and offer those things in your life, those things that you're asking for, for yourself or for others, and offer those to God. But Lord, not, your, not my will, but yours be done. In all of these things, your will be done. Lord, I yield control of my life. I yield it all to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for the ways that you taught us God's eternal truth. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. So Lord, hear us, each one, as we in our own rooms, in our own homes, as we lift this prayer that you taught us together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. So we are fortunate in our Bible that in the New Testament, we have four different gospels that tell the story of Jesus and tell about the teachings of Jesus that we're using for our basis for our Red Letter series. In Luke's gospel, Luke, the, uh, the author of that gospel, decided to connect these two ideas that we're about to talk, that I'm about to talk about. The first is that uh, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, uh, as Pastor Jeff just mentioned, he gave the example of the Lord's Prayer as a way to pray. And then Luke tells us that immediately after that, he then went into a story that helps to explain not only how we should pray, but why we should pray. So it's going to be up on the screen here on my left, and it says this. It's in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 5. We're going to read a few verses, and I'm going to stop and just clarify some things, then we'll move on. But it says, Then, teaching them more about prayer, this is right after the teaching of the Lord's Prayer, he, Jesus, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Now, let's pause there for a second. In first century Jewish culture, there was a high value placed on hospitality. There were at least three customs that every host would provide to a visitor. The first was when a visitor arrived, a guest arrived in your home, the very first thing you would do is you would, uh, you would offer them a verbal blessing and then you would give them a kiss on the cheek. So there was no social distancing in the first century whatsoever. The second custom is that the host would ensure that the guest's feet were washed. And so we see that custom uh, in the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Jesus was playing the role of the host and the disciples were having their feet washed then by Jesus, who was the host. That was a custom that every household would follow. And then the third custom is that a meal would be served. The host would serve a meal to the guest. And so we see that when Jesus visits Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are quick to prepare a meal for Jesus and his disciples because they were a guest, <clears throat> excuse me, in Mary and Martha's home. So the host could make no excuse for not having any food available. You were expected to provide and to serve your guest. And if you couldn't, this would be a great embarrassment. So Jesus is telling this story, and he's telling this story about a man who's in great need. And the disciples would know that. The great need is that this man has a responsibility to bless someone else. So then Jesus goes on and he says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom. So the, so the friend has said, hey, I need to borrow three loaves of bread. And his friend responds, don't bother me. It's midnight. Uh, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. And so we can imagine this is a small first century home. It's, it's an all-purpose room. The front door leads right into the kitchen, which is also the living room, which is also the bedroom, unless they may possibly have a second floor. But this man is laying in bed. It's at midnight. His door is closed. No guests are welcome at this point. And so he's telling his friend, hey, you're going to have to come back later. We have no time for this. But Jesus then concludes the story this way. He says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, 
If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Just keep knocking and knocking and knocking, and eventually your friend will come because he can't sleep any longer. Now, Jesus is using this story to make a point, but he isn't finished teaching about prayer, so we can't make the point yet. There's still more that Jesus is about to teach. He goes on and says this, here's what I'm saying. Ask, <clears throat> excuse me, ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game that we're in. So here's what Jesus is saying as he tells the story about the man knocking on a door. When we pray, God is not sleeping. We are not waking up God in the middle of the night with our prayers. God is not like a grumpy neighbor. Uh, we don't have to bargain with God and explain away why we're at this, uh, why we're praying for this thing at this particular time. God is not going to hold back. And here's where Jesus now concludes the whole story. He concludes his teaching about prayer using the same language that he began with. Remember the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus began with our Father. He began with this relational tone. This, as Pastor Jeff just shared, relational orientation. It was about this relationship between a parent and a child, that we play this role in this relationship as the child, then there's a, a God in heaven who represents and is our heavenly father. And Jesus brings it back around again and uses that same image for us again. He says, parents, it's not on the screen, I just want you to hear this. Parents, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Now, again, that didn't make sense in the first century. It was as surprising as it would be in the 21st century. But to modernize it just a little bit, we would say, parents, if your kid asks for Chick-fil-A, would you give them McDonald's? Well, of course not, right? Because all kids love Chick-fil-A. And you're a parent, and you want to give the best you can. So you would give Chick-fil-A because that's what they ask for. Jesus goes on and he says, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Now, again, that, didn't that was a surprising statement in the first century. It's surprising in the 21st century, although it would make an Easter egg hunt quite exciting, wouldn't it? So Jesus says, would you do that? Of course not. So if you, and then he says this, as bad as you are, right, how many of us would admit that, man, we have done our best at parenting, but we still have not always gotten it right. We've not always been perfect in this. Jesus says, so if you, as bad as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will God give? How much more can God give? Jesus says, if a friend will go out of their way to help you in the middle of the night, how much more 
will God do? If parents, doing the best job we can, will give good gifts, how much more will God give? God is not a sleeping neighbor who helps due to obligation or even annoyance. God is even better than any earthly parent we can imagine. God is better than the best neighbor and the best parent. And God is overjoyed when we come to him in prayer. God is overjoyed. Simple, not complex. I mean, the Lord's Prayer is this simple, honest prayer asking for God's work in our life. There's no bargaining in that prayer. And when we pray, God chooses to give himself to you and I. Again, this relational orientation, that that's the reason that we pray. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he began by calling God Father. He told this story and connected it again back to this idea of this loving parent, that Jesus begins and ends with this loving, perfect parent who we can be in this loving, perfect relationship with, a loving parent who wants to bless his children so that they can bless others. This is a theme that runs throughout this Red Ladder series, that there's our vertical relationship influences our horizontal relationship. And if we could get this right, if we could get the connection between our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with people, it would change our world. It would change your world. It would change my world in our homes and our workplaces. It would change the world. And no, there is no greater time in history when I would say that we need a world changing. As Pastor Jeff began this message, we need prayer because we need the world to change. C.S. Lewis said this about prayer. He said, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. And our world desperately needs our hearts to be changed so that we can change the hearts of others, so that we can be involved in blessing the world around us. When we pray, God chooses to give himself to me, God chooses to give himself to you. And as we experience more and more of this God coming in and infiltrating and changing our heart, this loving God who gives himself away, Our understanding of who God is, our viewpoint of God, our relationship with God deepens and changes and we experience this incredible love that impacts who we are. And then that vertical relationship begins to influence our horizontal world as well because we begin to see people differently. Our understanding of who people are, no matter what color of their skin, no matter where they're from, no matter what town they live in, it changes our perspective on people. It changes our view of the world. It changes our relationships. So how we love God leads to how we love others, and it brings change to our world. So we don't pray because we want God to change things. We pray, as C.S. Lewis said, because it changes me. And that will change our world. So Jesus not only offered us this model on how to pray, but he gave us the reason for why we should pray. It's this horizontal and vertical relationships changing us and changing our world. 